We know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's. Men from Moto. Digital strategies with Travis Sowers and David Seville. Intellect, vast, cool, and unsympathetic. Broadcast to the world with the uncanny help of Mana Deprived and FaceToFaceGames.com. Greetings, people of Earth. We're the men from Moto, and you're listening to episode 86, Hot Lockets. My name is David Seville, and I have Travis Sowers on the line with me again this week. How are you, sir? I am very excited about the return to return to the return to Ravnica. I uh, I think I've said it before, but uh, RTR was like the first block that I took seriously. So this is kind of a homecoming for me. So I'm pretty excited for it. Yeah, it's, I mean, this has always been a setting that magic is loved. Like people identify with the guilds. And I've finally this time embraced that I am Azorius. That's just kind of who I am. You know, they did the, we both participated in the preview events on Arena and there were apparently people that were drafting in there, but it, it didn't say that we could draft, so I didn't. And that's when I realized I actually am just Azorius. Because <laughs> you followed the rules despite having the opportunity to go and draft? Yeah, I followed the rules anyway because that's how I roll. Yeah, apparently that um, it was tough to fire those ones. They were trying to keep all the people together. But anyway, yeah. the event was great. Like Thanks to Wizards for the invite to both of us um they gave us preview accounts stocked full of goodies but basically i just played sealed all day and it was great (laughs) me too yeah um and then open beta today as of this recording it's open on the 27th which is kind of amazing so everybody's starting fresh um they had a uh kind of an announcement last week that uh we did an emergency podcast on uh so you can go and get all of our thoughts on those um it's on youtube i think Yep, it's uh, you can find it in my Twitch replays or I put it on my YouTube channel. And then uh, we're not going to talk about it this week. We're going to do a full episode on all of the open beta kind of shenanigans next week. We have some thoughts, uh, good and not so good in some cases. We'll see how it goes. Um, but we'll also have some thoughts from our first week of, of free-to-play, and we'll kind of see how, uh, how things are progressing there. Today is all about getting you ready for the Guilds of Ravnica pre-release, or playing in sealed on arena or playing sealed on magic online uh, or potentially even drafting early next week. Cause it's all kind of coming together this weekend basically. And uh, so we're going to go through, we've got, I've got four sealed under my belt. You've got five. I want to say under your belt. Correct. So, uh, so between us, we've got a good number of games. Uh, we've seen a lot of decks both on both sides of the table here. So I think we'll have some good insight into uh, kind of the hits and misses and the things you should be on on the lookout for when you go and sit down at your first game at a pre-release um and early impressions what are your early impressions of the format so far this is fun it's pretty fun really fun i'm i'm super excited to draft it and get that reward for figuring out which guild is open and doing neat stuff in it and then which cards can i splash off the side of my guild but just playing sealed uh so far has been a lot of fun i enjoyed playing sealed again i used to predominantly play sealed but i I think I may have actually transitioned to like draft better. I'm not sure yeah. when or how that happened, but I'm really excited to draft this set. Well, I mean, you've been you've been pushing the arena quite hard, um, and you know it's obviously paying off. Uh, you know, it's a very good client. It's it's really good gameplay experience and stuff. And without sealed on there, I think you just kind of naturally adapted to it. 
Um, but having sealed on arena, and we'll talk about this next week, um, you know, we're still trying to figure out if the price point is good or not, but for people that are looking to build a collection, um, it's, it seems like sealed is going to be the way to go instead of just buying, buying your packs, you get a few games in there, hopefully win a couple of games, uh, get some gems back and then get a whole schwack of packs to add your collection. Um, it, it, it's looking like it's, it's going to be a fairly popular format. I think for people that are looking to, to build their collection. Yeah, agree. Um, I enjoyed the seal despite not enjoying sealed all that much. Uh, my only gripe with it was uh, just the deck builder doesn't really work very well in sealed. I find it's much easier in draft when you have fewer cards and you're kind of building as you go. Um, but I think I'll get over that. And when they come up with a new deck builder, eventually I'm sure it'll be much better. But everything after that was this was a positive experience uh, yesterday playing playing the sealed event. So I'm looking forward to probably just playing draft starting next week. I don't get to play any more sealed this week. Um, maybe maybe Sunday I'll get a game in, but um, I think it'll be jumping straight into draft for me after the two at a giant pre-release yeah, the gameplay was fantastic all the cards worked no bugs like everything was great I, I agree the interface could use some work i actually found that it was easier if you sorted it where you see the big view the double page of cards and then the side view um just has the cards listed by name and mana cost it was a little bit easier to get decks built that way it, it was a different way of looking at it than what i'm used to because i'm not laying out my cards by curve uh, but I tried that towards the end and was like, wow, this is way easier to build the decks because you can see enough of it and enough of your cards to start making decisions. Yeah, but we'll go into it in depth on that one next week. I want to just start getting into the cards. So let's yep. start with, um, first of all, our experiences with, with the early days in the sealed format. Um, so for me, I uh, I got to do four sealed events. I went seven two six three six three six three. so pretty consistent. Um, my 7-2 was a Boros deck, very aggressive and a very tuned Boros deck. And then my 6-3s were, um, a not so great Boros deck with good removal. I had a, uh, Golgari splashing white. So I guess Abzan, if you want to call it that, um, deck that went 6-3. And then I had an Izzet deck, a Spells Matter deck that also went 6-3. And they were all very different experiences. So I think I've kind of got a wide range of experience except for, Selesnia. And I played against a lot of Demir, so I kind of see how that's kind of working there. Um, so that turned out to be, I think it's a 69% win rate, which is pretty decent in best of one, I think. Um, I'm, yeah. looking forward, I'm looking forward to tanking that starting next week when I draft. <laughs> nice. Uh, I had a pair of sevens, a six, a five, and then I did one on the live servers today once I'm spending my own gems and had a one three. That was a bit disappointing. Uh, it's like, couldn't I have the one threes on the special account? And the seven and zero on my account, um, but three of them were prominently green decks. One of them was a five color deck, splashing everything. Uh, the one that tanked was actually Golgari with a slight splash of Celestia. There was a bit of a challenge in that pool, and that I really only had two uh, pacifisms for removal. I, I don't think it was bad, but it also didn't have a lot of top end, uh, so it kind of did its thing, and then it won or it didn't. And I, I had some rough matchups. The five color deck was my favorite so far. Um, I think I only had one actual guild deck, and it was a Selesnia deck, and I think that was my five-win one. Um, it, it was weird, like I was convoking out all these creatures, but it meant I wasn't really attacking with my stuff. And then you, you kind of said in the pregame show, like, you get a 5-5 five, five trample, they double block it, and uh, well, there you go. Yeah, and that's kind of what I found about the other colors, is like, flying is king. I mean, that's always the case, but I think it's really Flying's good, good and limited, huh? Yeah, go figure, hey. But there's just nothing with reach in green. Like, there's, like, one creature or two creatures with reach, and neither of them can really kill anything that flies. 
um the the three two comes down and is a plummet effectively um but after that like you know green can't beat any flyers and um you know prey upon maybe gets a flyer if you're lucky um but it's pretty tough to beat a three four for five on your opponents on the demir side of the table for example if you're green so i think that was what i was looking at when i was playing against green decks is that i was just kind of just flying over the top and and or tapping their creatures down and smashing them and um you know that's just kind of the Slesnia thing, but I think it'll be different in draft when you can synergize a little bit nicer, or you can pick up three siege worms, for example, and that's not something that's common in a in a sealed pool, for example. Yeah. All right. So where do you want to start? Do you want to just start with the multicolor cards and let's just go? Yeah, let's do this. Uh, typically, in these kind of previews, I guess you would call them, we're going to look at commons and uncommons that have stood out to us as uncommonly good. Uh, so kind of cards to watch out for as you're going through and building your sealed deck. This is something I'd like to play, or this is something I shouldn't play. So we're going to point out ones that were very good for us or very not so good for us. And it's going to be different here too, because some of these uh, monocolored cards are going to be good in one guild, but not in another necessarily. And yeah. we'll try to point those out as we go when when we see them. Um, so first up, I think this is a no-brainer, but I just want to make sure that people aren't sleeping on this, is Artful Takedown. Uh, this is two blue-black for an instant. Choose one or both. Tap target creature. Target creature gets minus two, minus four until end of turn. Um, this is premium removal. Um, the It seems like four toughness. Like, if you if you have something that deals four damage or gives minus four, it's basically unconditional removal in the format. Um, mm-hmm. And obviously this qualifies for it, so. It does. Um, it reminds me of Flatten a little bit, if you remember that. I do. Um, so it's 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 kind of a similar effect. That was three and a black for negative four, negative four at instant speed, and that was very good. I I don't think adding also tap a creature on there makes this better than flatten, um, but it, it, it's it's obviously premium removal. Sometimes you're going to pay more to kill the thing than they paid for the thing, but if you need the thing dead, um, maybe you need to be artistic with your takedown. Yeah, I kind of read it as kill something, gain three life. Yeah, that's actually a good way to look at it. Right, because you're tapping down defensively usually, or sometimes you can deal an extra three points of damage. Um, but you're right, it's really just the minus two, minus four mode. Just don't sleep on it. Like, don't look at the minus two and think, eh, it's not that great as a combat trick. I don't want to play that in blue. No, it's just you, a kill you spell. Play this card. It's just yeah. a kill spell. You don't care about anything else. Um, another one that, that that I've played with uh, is Beacon Bolt. And I don't know if you've had a chance to play Beacon Bolt. It is one blue-red for a sorcery. Beacon Bolt deals damage to target creature equal to the total number of instant sorcery cards you own in exile and your graveyard, and it has jumpstart. I had two of these in a sealed pool that was uh, heavy spells, obviously, and it was very good. I don't think it plays very well in many other decks. You want to be doing at least three damage with this consistently for it to be good, and really what you want is to be doing four damage with it the first time, so that when you cast it the second time, it deals three. Yeah. Um, but I would be aware of that one, that if you're in that Spells Matter deck, this is, I think, a very, very, very good removal card. Do you pick this early? Like, I know we're not drafting yet, but are you going to pick this early and then try to build a Spells Matter deck around it? Or are you going to grab the Drake, for example, and then when you see this third pick, be like, okay, cool, let's go? I think I'm not going to grab either of them early. I think that's the problem with the Spells Matter deck, is that I don't think there's a lot of pieces that are going to go around. They're mostly uncommons, and yeah. this one being an uncommon kind of makes it tough. Like, I would much rather just take a pacifism over this first pick. Um, I think this is like a pick three pickup. Like, if I open this in pick three and I'm already is it, I'm over the moon with this one. Um, but I'd much rather just pick a pacifism or um, 
uh, the lava, like the four damage and one in a red for four damage. I'd much rather yeah. that than this pick one. Fair enough. Um, what's next for you? What do you got uh, on your list of cards here? I don't have anything on the next couple of screens here. Boros Challenger. Red, white for a 2-3 with Mentor. You can spend four and it gets plus one, plus one until end of turn. Just a two mana 2-3 is already pretty good on turn two. Um, and this carries any sorts of counters that you can put on it very well. So if you can mentor onto this, it'll mentor onto something else. And it's not crazy to go this three drop and then turn four, pump this attack and pump the, the, the three drop that you just played, uh, because you're going to have some other two threes in the deck. Um, I guess best case scenario is eventually you can get, give that counter flying or do something with it. I think this card's great. Yeah, so there's a couple of two power mentor creatures. There's a two two first striker, and there's a two three flying vigilance. I don't remember if there's another one, um, and I think this is my favorite one out of those. Two power mentor is kind of in an awkward spot. I found where unless the creature itself is good, which I guess they they pretty much are, um, you're not often taking advantage of it to its full potential. Like the mentor is very hard to go off with. Um, on just a 2-2 or just a 2-3. What you need to do is you need to put a plus one, plus one counter on it and then have that cascade down. So the fact that this has three toughness um, makes it better because it's got a higher probability of surviving combat. But then obviously the pump potential there um, is great. I actually played the one drop, the one one with Mentor that you can pump for one and a red to make it a three one. Mm -hmm. And it played very, very well, and I imagine that this card plays the same. So I'm very interested in picking this up. This is an early pick if I'm in Boros, for sure. I want to curve this guy into the Griffin Charger and then attack with both of them. Yeah, the Rock Wing something, right? It's like a the, the one Forcer. It is, but it's the it's called a Rock in this format. Okay, sure, it's a Rock. It's a Rock. <laughs> but no, you're right. Like that's That's huge game. Um, and then on turn four, if you have nothing else to do, you can pump and then pump your rock again. Like there's, there's lots of cool things you can do here. So, all right. After that, I like Conclave Guild Mage, the Celesnia deck that I got some wins with today. Uh, this was on the back of a lot of it. Uh, mana sinks, it turns out are really good and limited. And this is a great one. You got six mana and nothing to do with it. Make a knight. Uh, you got a big board state and attacking your opponent. Uh, you can give your dudes trample. Um, I, I, when we did the set review on stream, Ethan was like, I don't like that the abilities don't really work together. And I was like, I kind of do like that the abilities don't work together. Cause that means it's really difficult for me to think of a board state where this isn't good. It's true. It covers a lot more scenarios. Um, the trample is neat as a finisher. I think that 99% of the time the activations are going to be making a knight. Yeah. And then 1% of the time you're giving things trample. Um, so, but it's, it's a good card. Um, it's a card I don't mind trading off early. I think, um, if I have to, because six mana is a lot. And if it, if I do have it in the late game, um, you know, just pumping out, pumping out two twos is just great. Um, yeah. I, I know you skipped over the Conclave Cavalier because it is just good. It's a good on the surface. I just want to talk about how annoying this card is. <laughs> okay. Green, green, white, white for four, four vigilance that makes two, two twos when it dies. Like, I've lost to that it, I, multiple times. So I think three of my losses total were to a Selesnya deck that was running this, and I just couldn't kill it. I couldn't get through it. Um, and it's got that four toughness magic number, which is very annoying. I'll mention this as I go to the next one I like, which was the cackling, uh, Crackling Drake. Blue, blue, red, red for a star four flyer. 
Power and toughness equal the total number of instant and sorcery cards you own or in exile when it enters the battlefield, draw a card. I like these AABB casting cost ones because they're going to make it into that, that guild, right? Like if I'm doing the, you know, gate deck or I'm, you know, really hugging a wedge instead, maybe I'm playing Abzan, I'm not going to be able to fit the Cavalier in there. Or if I'm playing Grixis, I'm not going to be able to fit the Drake in there. Uh, but so I, I like that these can go around and then actually get to the guild. One thing that I found that I wasn't really expecting with this particular card is it actually plays really nicely with red mentor cards. It so absolutely does. You play it, you draw your card. Maybe it's a 1-4, maybe it's an 0-4, but you can still attack with it, mentor onto it, and then as you use your removal spells later in the game, it just gets bigger and bigger. And like, I'd kind of be down for 4 mana for an 0-4 flyer that draws a card. Like, And this is that, plus a lot more. So I, I was I was actually pretty happy with this. Yeah, and there's a couple of good mentor creatures in red, like solid red. Um, there's a 4-2 haste. There's a 3-3 three, three, um, that has to... 3-3 three, three for 3 that can't attack or block alone. Um, both of those fit the fit the bill here for sure. Um, one of the things I like about these, that the spells matter, is um, they check exile, obviously mm -hmm. for jumpstart cards, which is really cool. One thing that will get people at the pre-release, and please remember this, is that when you take a jumpstart spell out of your graveyard and put it onto the stack, it is neither in your graveyard nor in exile it will actually lower the power on this one so let's say that um beacon bolt is a good example of this right if i have four instants and sorcerers in my graveyard and i cast beacon bolt from my graveyard it is now dealing three damage um it may be something you can do with crackling drake here as well or something that may punish you um changing the power of a card i don't know if there's anything that would in particular while it's still on the stack um but keep in mind that that could be something that happens. Because once you cast it, once it's finished casting, it still goes to exile. But yeah. Just keep that in mind. So right. it kind of gets a temporary minus and then goes back up. Exactly. Uh, have you gotten to play with or against Darkblade Agent yet? Um. Yes. This I is better it. than I thought it was going to be. I have killed it every single time it hit the battlefield. You've because, had to. Because you have to. Yeah. So it's uh, one blue-black for a 2-3. If you've surveilled this turn, it has Death Touch, and whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, you draw a card. Here's the thing about the Demir deck. It has a lot of surveil. Yeah. Just full stop. Everything that's, that surveil matters, I think, is going to be very good um, because Demir decks just have so much surveil. Counterspell, removal, creatures, everything. Well, here's the thing. Like, Surveil, is, it doesn't need a payoff. It's just good. Like, the times that I've been able to play a bunch of Surveil cards, it's just like, hey, my deck caps at six. I'm never drawing any more lands. Sweet. Like, I don't need... That is the payoff. The mechanic is the payoff. And then when you start tacking cards like this on, it's great. Like, I had somebody attack me with it, and I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like, do I block it with a 5-5? Five five? Or not? They haven't activated it yet. I decided I should block it with the 5-5. Five five. They bounced a token and with a surveil card and killed my 5-5. Five five. And I'm like, that was going to be just as miserable if I hadn't blocked it. They'd bounce the token and draw a card. Exactly. It, it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you make a lot of suboptimal decisions, and it's a perfect bluff card. I love it. Yeah, I like this card too. Now... We have to talk about Demir Spybug, but I haven't gotten to play with it or against it yet. Do you have any feedback on this one? 
I've seen it once on my opponent's side of the table, um, and it didn't do anything, but that's because they were so far behind that it didn't do anything. Um, okay. I, I think... I'm going to ask you here. We talked about this in the pregame show, but uh, I mentioned, like, are you buying or selling this card? Not from a financial perspective, but do you think it will go up or down in value from where we rated it? I think it'll go down from... Because I think I was too high on it when I originally saw it. So I think I'm selling this card. Um, but if you have a lot of... Like, if you get it to be a 3-3, it's it's stupid. And I think as a 2-2, it's probably pretty good. It's uh, blue-black for 1-1 one, one Flying Menace when you surveil, put a counter on Demir Spybug. I think I'm going to hold, because I was pretty tepid on this initially. I was like, I, I don't really want to take this early. If I see it going around and I've already got a bunch of surveil spells, I'm kind of down. But I, I like cards that are good on the turn you play them, and then potentially good later in the game. And mm-hmm. this is neither of those. Like, two mana for a 1-1 one, one Flying Menace, not great. Uh, top deck when I'm empty-handed, this is super terrible. Now, if I can play it and then dump some resources into it, incidentally, by the way, I'm just playing good surveil spells anyway, but there may be times where I'm encouraged to play, you know, my deadly visit to kill something and get a counter on this when really I should be holding that removal. So, like, there's there's some just awkward spots there. Um, the three mana, three two flash that surveils, that seems pretty cool though, right? Like I'm just going to put that in my, you know, blue black deck. So like curving this into that does seem exciting. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I'm going to hold on this. I was pretty tepid on it and I think I'm going to stay there. That's fair. I, I think, and that's, I think that's why I'm selling it is I think I was a little too high on it. So I'm going to cut my okay. losses. Um, disinformation campaign. What, what are your thoughts on this one? I had it played against me and it was very good. Um, and then I had it played against me and it was not good. So this yeah. is one blue black this is one blue black for an enchantment. When disinformation campaign enters the battlefield, you draw a card and each opponent discards a card. Whenever you surveil, you return it to your hand. Um This is a neat neat card, by the way. Like I think this is a really cool design for a card. Um I think I think I, I to use buy or sell, I think I'm gonna buy this. Like I I think it'll go up and I think more people will find that it is good as this as the format goes on. It's the ultimate dirtle card. Yeah. In a in a guild that is the ultimate dirtle guild see i don't think demir is a dirtle guild i think demir is a kill you while we're valuing guild and as such i don't think this is what i want in my deck when i'm doing that um i i don't think the card's bad i think i would hesitate to play this in a format where we've got boros like if I've seen this in both scenarios too. One where it was pretty good and my opponent returned it a couple times before that I killed them. And another where it wasn't very good. They just played it once and then I killed them. But like both times it just did kind of didn't matter. Um, and I, I liked it initially. So I, I think I'm actually going to sell. Okay. I think to say that this is bad against Boros is fair because I think there's a lot of Demir that's not great against Boros. Um, you know, even the one for that surveils when it enters the battlefield is not great against Boros, and I'll kind of get to my thoughts on that when we get to it. So, like, I think, like, you can stock your deck full of Demir goodies and just lose to Boros, whether this card is in your deck or not. Yeah, but I think you've got a more likely chance of being able to beat it if you're prioritizing that three-two flash that surveils to. Like, you just that you is, don't. That is. You true. don't need this. You you need things that can attack and block. And I always caution people against putting too many things in their deck that can't attack or block. And this is this is one of those. So that like, just just play a three two. It's not exciting, but it gets the job done. It does take over the game late game if you're at parity with your opponent, though. If you have the opportunity to 
loop it. Like you may not be making your opponent discard, but being able to draw repeatable cards um, at the cost of just this one card is pretty good, I think. Fair enough. Fair enough. It it will get you ahead if the game is long and grindy, but yeah. I I feel like there's enough reach in all of the decks that you don't like. This is not a super fast format. We're not talking about Emincat fast or Zendikar fast or Gate Crash fast, depending on how long you're playing. But we're also not talking about something where you can just sit and dirtle around for hours. Yep. Agreed. What do you have next, that's next? Next big one for me is the Golgari Fine Broker, which, <sighs> my goodness, is this card good. Black, black, green, green for a 3-4. When it enters the battlefield, return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. I've already returned Deadweight and Vraska. Um, that was the game I killed them with a Vraska Ultimate, which was remarkably satisfying. So this is not just creatures, although it'd be fine if it was. And it's a 3-4. It's a four mana three four. You just play that in your deck, and you can get something back. Yeah, I love me a grave digger, and this is just a better, harder to cast grave digger, and I am okay with that. I am yeah. so okay with that. So one thing actually I wanted to mention with the AABB casting costs is um, if you're drafting and you have one of these, I'm going to talk about the value of gates. So somebody on Reddit did the math on this one, um, but basically the first gate you picked up on these colors. So let's see you're drafting Golgari, right? You you pick this up in pack one, and now it's pack two, and you have no gates. And now it's pack three, and now you're looking at a Golgari guild gate. What does that guild gate do for casting this card? And the first guild gate you take increases your odds of casting it on curve, or, you know, it's the equivalent odds of casting it on turn five, turn six, turn seven, turn eight as you go by about four to five percent. The first one is worth about four to five percent. The second gate is worth about 3 to 4%, and these are on-color gates. And then they start to diminish from there. So the real value is making sure, if you have these cards, is to get those two gates. Because, you know, you go from, you know, like a 60% chance to be able to cast it on curve, assuming you want to, to like a 70 or 69.9% chance to cast it on curve if with two gates. So just keep that in mind as you're going, is that if you have one of these, the gates go way up in value. Yeah, I... Frankly, I think if you draft a, a, a deck in Ravnica block with gates and you don't have three gates in your deck at the end, you did something wrong. Because they're secretly just the best card in a lot of packs and it's not obvious when you look at it, right? Because like a, a, a Selesnya Guildgate in my Golgari deck, letting me, you know, play that Luminous Bonds and then, you know, some, uh, the Selesnya Guild Mage that I see late is just kind of a huge deal. So, like, I'd, I'd rather just have access to that. Yeah, I agree. So, it'd be interesting to see how that works in draft. How many people are taking those early versus hoping to get them late? Like, is it going to be a cons of Tarkir thing? Is it going to be just everybody just gets what they need eventually? Or is it going to be something in between? Um, House Guild Mage. I mean, can we just say that all the Guild Mages are good? Yeah, the Guild Mages are good. I've already splashed right. for this one. It's good. Yeah, um, I'm going to skip on that one. Hypothesizal, uh, front runner for the best name in the format so far? Yes, yeah, I'll give you that. Okay. Uh, three red, blue for an instant, draw two cards, then you may discard a non-land card. When you do, it deals four damage to target creature. I think you were very high on this card when you were playing it on your stream. Yeah, um, Ethan and I thought it was going to be pretty good. It was better than I thought it was going to be. I'm buying Hypothesizal. Uh, very interested in these. This is what's going to get me into the Is It deck. The fact that you draw... And, like, you draw first, then you can discard something. 
So like you can even cast this when there's nothing to target and discard a land for value and be happy about it. Like I'm not thrilled to be doing that, but like just looting through, getting something you don't want in your hand into the graveyard. Maybe it's a jump start card and killing something at instant speed. It's so good. It's yeah. so good. You actually can't discard a land to this one, so you just draw two. Yeah, fair enough. It's just, it's just five mana draw two in instant speed if you can't kill anything. Um, I I played. I had one of these in my Is it deck. I thought it was going to be awkward. Like I, I knew it was going to be good. I thought there was going to be times when it was going to be awkward, and there was. But I was able to engineer a scenario where I was keeping cards to pitch to this if I needed to. Um, and you know, you sometimes you just have dead, uh, you know, dead jumpstart cards, or sometimes you have like a dead creature that like a one three that's not going to do anything because your opponent's got a huge board. You just pitch it and kill their best creature. Um, don't feel bad about pitching cards to kill your opponent's good creatures like i said four damage feels like it kills pretty much everything in the format that mm -hmm. that matters and um you know unless your opponent plays a six six flying trample like you're 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 pretty okay with that so yeah card's just good take card it play is, it card is good um what's next for me i, I got a feeling justice strike is going to be pretty good but i haven't seen it yet uh it is the assassin's trophy in boros yeah, except they don't get a land, so that's pretty cool. Strictly better? Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, there's there's it, there's it a lot of things in Boros that have higher power than toughness, so that's great. And there's a lot of things that just have the same power and toughness, which is great. And the things that have more power or less power than toughness, you usually don't need to kill. Yeah, so it works out. So it works out. Um, Man, there's so many good gold cards. There really are. That's why I wanted to start with them. Um, League Guild Mage, obviously very good. Uh, Ledev Champion, uh, one green-white for a 2-2. Two -two. When it attacks, you may tap any number of untapped creatures you control. It gets plus one, plus one for each creature tapped this way. And you can spend five mana to make a 1-1 one -one, uh, with lifelink. I've gotten to play with this more times than I should have already. It's pretty dang good. Yeah, again, mana sinks. Um, this is very tough. It's very tough to deal with, I think, without unconditional removal, because quite frequently it will get out of removal range or uh, blocking range, and um, it's just it's just so tough to deal with. It's super annoying. I lost to this one uh, a couple of times. It, this... If you're ahead, like being able to play your other creatures pre-combat and then tap them to pump this, it's just kind of a big deal because they end up having to chump this, and the next turn they've got less stuff to block the stuff you just played. It it, it feels a little win y and I can tell you uh, from from playing with it, it's not super great when you're behind. Like, it, it's just not a great rate to spend three mana for a 2-2. Two -two. So build accordingly. But having mana sinks and limited is something I'm, I'm willing to go in for. This is not Slimefoot, uh, but it does some of what Slimefoot did. That's that's a good way to put it. That's a, that is a good way to put it. Um... Legion Guildmage. I had Legion Guildmage. I haven't had a chance to play this. this. Is the Boros one? Um, we've got a Tapper for two and a white. I can't it's, imagine that's bad because it's on a relevant body. Yeah, it's on a relevant body. Um, and again, in a format where, like, there's things when you're playing Mentor, moving removing their biggest blocker is just a huge boon for you. Um, and I have gone out of my way to use removal spells to clear a blocker, like, inefficiently, and I've gone out of my way to engineer scenarios where my opponent could not block profitably just to get an extra plus one, plus one counter. So yeah. this obviously helps that. Agree. 
Uh, Night Vale Predator. It's another one in that that cycle of AABB casting costs. This is blue, blue, black, black for a three, three flying death touch hexproof. Yep, that's that's a thing that wizards printed on a card. Those three words together. You know, I'm just I'm honestly okay with it here because it doesn't really seem like there's any enchantments you can put on it that people are going to go super nuts over. So that is true. It's just a three, three flying death touch that you can't kill. Like. As if that's not enough, uh, but it, it creeps it down from, oh my god, this card's annoying, to, this is pretty dang good. Yeah, it is. All these all these ABBB cards are very good, I think. Um, yeah. This this one, that one might be the most annoying of the bunch. Nah, I like the Golgari one, but well, like that, may Golgari be just, one. that may just be because I've played with it more. That's true. Um, how many games have you won or lost with Ocarina Assassin so far? One I haven't had, haven't had a chance to play it. Uh, one green black for a one one death touch. All creatures able to block it do so. Have not had a chance. I like me a, a lure on a creature, and you give it death touch is kind of neat. <laughs> so I've I've won games with it already, uh, just by getting big enough board state and then making them block it. I've also had the plus three plus three trick and been like, you know what? I'm going to use these two cards and kill four of yours while dealing you a bunch of damage, and that felt really good. Um, be aware if you attack with this and they've got shenanigans and they interact with this, your combat can change dramatically for that reason against a white opponent. I cast that giant growth pre-combat and then swung in just in case they had righteous blow. I didn't want to get got by it. Um, exactly. So like, just be aware if they're able to bounce it or interact at instant speed, your dreams, uh, may not come true, but otherwise it's, it's going to be pretty good. I have also cast combat tricks pre-combat in this format to get mentor. <laughs> yeah, and I could see that being worth it. <laughs> so, I that in in things that I've never done. Um let's see here, Skylight Sky Knight Legionnaire 1 red white for a 2/2 flying haste. Um very good. It's a uh it's a mentor receiver. It's a magnet for plus one, plus one counters. And um, the best part is, is you don't care if the thing on the ground died because this thing is a 3-3 flyer the next turn. So, Yeah, it's just good. It's just good. It's Pretty. been in every Ravnica set. Pretty happy with that. I want to shout out to my buddy Rhizome Lurcher. Um, two green black for a 2-2 undergrowth enters the battlefield with a number of plus one, plus one counters equal to the number of creature cards in your graveyard. I poo-pooed this initially. I don't think it's a bomb. I don't think it's amazing. I do think it's pretty dang good in Golgari decks. Really? Yup. Play with it. Uh, I've I've already seen eight eight and nine nine Rhizome Lurchers. It's not that hard to get this thing going. Yeah, it's, it's funny because one of the things that I found with my Undergrowth deck or my Golgari deck is that I found it tough to get things into the graveyard, even though I had things that wanted to go to the graveyard, and I had creatures to sacrifice these creatures to put them in the graveyard. I just found like I was always behind on undergrowth. Um, but it, it just could be that I just, it just wasn't an optimal build. It was a sealed pool, right? So it's not going to be perfectly synergistic. So um, that might be just error on my part and not necessarily the, the fault of undergrowth, but I've been fairly underwhelmed with it so far. I had uh, two of the glow spore shamans in one of my sealed pools, and these were actively quite good there. Uh, so like that was something sending stuff to my graveyard. I was, 
like trying to trade as much as I possibly could rather than holding stuff, which is interesting. Like Selesnia wants to hold their creatures and not trade them. They'd rather race you so they can convoke later. Whereas Golgari just wants to trade stuff off and keep fueling that undergrowth. Um, but I, I think I've moved this from unplayable to playable. Don't look for these in your pre-release pool. Uh, but if you have one and you're already playing Golgari, don't discount it. That is fair. That is fair. And I guess you should have some creatures by the time you cast this on turn five or turn six in the yard, I mean. Yeah, think of it as a six mana, I don't know, seven, seven, that if you have to cast it as the world's saddest four mana two, two, you can. That's fair. Um, sticking with Golgari, Swarm Guild Mage. This might be my favorite Guild Mage that I've played with so far. Um, and so it's black, green for a two, two, for five mana, four and a black uh, creatures you can go control, get plus one, plus zero and menace. One in a green, you gain two life. Um, I My Golgari deck, when I was building it, I was asking, I'm like, I have no idea what my win con is. And then I played with Guild Mage, uh, Swarm Guild Mage, and then I realized that was my win con. Yeah, like, yeah. Just deal your opponent 10 damage through the course of the game and then give your things menace, and it's like, okay, now you lose. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, pretty good. And the, and the life gain was interesting, too, on turns where, obviously, I wasn't attacking. Um I was negating a bunch of damage it was coming through with uh, with the life gain off this one, so don't sleep on that either. Yeah, the, all the guild mages are good. You should play them. You should play them. Um, I haven't played with too many of the rest of these cards in here, which is unfortunate because there's I think there's some decent ones as far as the gold non-split cards go. Yeah, we dragonauts is good if you're doing spells. That's one blue red for a one three flyer. Uh, when you cast an instant or sorcery spell, it gets plus two, plus oh until end of turn. Same as with the Drake. Uh, this is pretty nice to mentor onto if you have some red mentor cards. Because uh, all of a sudden you've got a two four that turns into a four four and it it's just gets stupid from there. Yep. I did have a chance to play with Piston Fist Cyclops. I'm not sure how high I am on this spells deck. Um, I had three of them. And I had a lot of spells. And the number of times I attacked with these cards was not as high as you would think. So I think that just could be that maybe I wasn't being aggressive enough with my spells or my spells were not like the correct ones. Again, it was a sealed pool. Um, But these guys often didn't attack. And there was a lot of times where I was saving my spells for my turn. Like they might've been um, defensive style spells. And then at that point, the ability on these guys kind of don't mean anything. So these are, these are hybrid cards. This is one, uh, is it, is it hybrid for a four, three defender? And if you cast an instant or sorcery, it can attack as if it didn't have defender. Yeah, the stat line's not so much that you're getting like a huge deal off of these, right? Like that's a borderland minotaur that can't attack unless you untap and cast a spell. If you do, that's pretty hot. If you don't, mm, meh. I, I found the common hybrid cards to more or less be okay, but not absurd. Um, the Whisper Agent was the one that I liked the most out of that batch. Uh, which is one Demir Demir for a 3-2 flash when it enters the battlefield surveil one. Like, part of why I'm liking this is people are walking 1-1 tokens into it, and they won't be doing that forever. The other reason that I liked it is, like, I was playing this in my Golgari decks and pretty happy to surveil, get something in the yard, trade this off, get this and something else in the yard. Like, it, it really began to fuel things. And then I think an actual Demir deck would be pretty happy with it, too. Yeah, so the interesting thing is is if you have guild gates, you know, it becomes easier to cast these if you're only in one of the colors. Yeah. Um so so it's a, it's kind of an advantage. But then on the other side is these are kind of plants to pick up if you are um short playables in your color combo, let's say, right? 
mm-hmm. and you, and you kind of need to you know the 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 shield mate the one uh Selesnya for a 2-2 like that's a serviceable boros card and it's a serviceable uh golgari card or golgari card or Selesnya card you can play it in any of them but for it's sure. not impressive in any of those scenarios and and I think that's the same with all of these cards. So I, I think it's really cool that they have these in here that you can pick them up if you need to in an emergency, um, and they will be fine role players. You know, I, I actually think to use the shield mate as an example, this is okay in all of them. You need some two drops, mm-hmm. right? I've already attacked with this and convoked, so that was good in Celestia. I have mentored onto this and made a 3-3 Vigilance. That was pretty good. And I've traded it off in a Golgari deck and got counters. Now, it's a common, so of course I'm going to play with it a lot. But like all three of the decks that can play this, like this isn't the premium two drop for any of those decks. And it's not something that's crazy exciting, but it, it works in all of them. Yeah. And I think that's the same for all of these cards. Just things like, you know, the Whisper Agent is a little harder to cast. Um, but I think I think it's pretty cool. I, I mean, that one's probably the best one, but... Um, yeah, I think the, the Piston Fist Cyclops, though, like Boros isn't really interested in that, and neither is Demir. So that, that one's the weird one. But I think all the others fit the, the bill of what you're you're, yeah. you're stating there. I mean, the, the the Cyclops is interesting because you can do that proactive removal and then smash in, right, on turn four. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't get your mentor trigger. But yeah, yeah, you're right. It's it's neat how they've designed that, though, right? The, the solid gold cards are way more powerful, and these hybrid cards are kind of these, like, emergency pickups or role players or whatever um and then you have the split cards which are kind of like the best of both worlds yeah agree which of the split cards have blown your mind already at at least Um, in the uncommon spot uh, status and statue was pretty good but we knew that that was going to be so that's the golgari one um target creature gets plus one plus one in death touch or destroy target artifact creature or enchantment you're playing it for the four mana more than you are the one mana yeah um response resurgence as i've seen it be oh that's a rare i'm sorry that's been good against me though um integrity intervention is the one that i'm thinking of it's one mana for plus two plus two or four mana for a lightning helix so three damage to any target you gain three life um both of those the flexibility on those cards sorry status statue isn't really flexible but it's powerful on its on its second mode and the the flexibility on integrity is is very very good and i'm a fan of that one I played Integrity in a straight Selesnya deck with two Boros Guild decks, and it was awesome. I Lightning Helixed twice. That was one of the seven win ones. I was able to do the Lightning Helix twice, and I was able to use it as a combat trick in the rest of them. Like, yeah. card's just good. Yeah, it, it just won't be dead. Um, yeah, and I haven't really had a chance to play with the other uncommon ones, so I'm going to hold my judgment on those ones. Although Discovery uh, Dispersal seems pretty good, too. That's uh, one in a Demir for Surveil 2, then draw a card at sorcery speed versus uh five mana for instant bounce and discard i have to turn my head sideways and read it um oh they return a non-land permanent with the highest converted mana cost and then they discard a card yeah I, this this one is okay like you're, you're playing it for the dispersal and hoping that you can use it as a removal spell um and sometimes you can but you don't get to choose what you bounce which is weird. Like sometimes the the highest converted mana cost they think have isn't going to kill you. I actually killed one of my opponents when they played this on me today. Um, that that was the one where I ultimated Vraska. Like they played it thinking I was going to have to ult- bounce Vraska because that was the highest permanent. Except I had the Pokemon Sphere on one of their creatures, keeping it tapped down. Uh, so I just returned that and then ultimate Vraska and killed them. I saw that too. I wasn't sure if you were going to see it or not. It looks like you were going to miss it. And then yeah. you picked it up on it, and I thought that was a really cool play. So, yeah, just just uh, be aware of that one. The fact that it basically cycles, though, it's like a 
you know, it's like cycling um, with with the first mode there is is kind of cool too. So, yeah, it's hard for me to argue with that. That's fair. Yeah, um, man, I love I love the gold cards though. Drafting is going to be so much fun. Yeah, God, I can't wait to draft. I'm itching to draft. I agree. Do you want to go through some uh, some of the single colors, the mono colors here, real quick? Sure. What color shall we start with? Uh, let's just start with white. Okay, make it easy. All right. Um. So I want to talk about my experience with Boros first. Okay. And and Mentor specifically. So as I, I played I played it twice for for 13 total wins. Um and like I said, I had one really good deck and one not so good deck. Um the not so good deck just kind of lived off the back of its removal. The good deck lived off of sequencing creatures and sequencing mentor to get kind of maximum value out of it. So I was playing um one drops. I was playing the the red goblin that that has fire breathing. Um, and I was playing the, the one, one flying lifelink and I was playing a couple of two powered mentor creatures, which I said, didn't really perform all that well. Um, but the fact that they had abilities on them made them relevant was kind of good because I could put plus one, plus one counters on them. And in the scenarios where I curved out, uh, you know, one drop into one of the, into my two, two first striker, for example, turned out to be very good. The three power mentor creatures was really where it started to shine because it was very easy to get plus one, plus one counters on pretty much anything at that point. Um, And if you had combat tricks, um, you know, you could do them pre-combat on these guys, get them through and get a plus one, plus one counter and kind of like lava axe your opponent at the same time. Um, So the first one here is blade instructor. I just want to mention it because it's the first one in here, but it's two and a white for a three, one with mentor. You might look at this and say, well, it's, it's two and a white for a three, one. Why am I playing this card? And you're playing this card because of the three power mentor. It's not your best mentor creature, but you're playing it because you're trying to get your two, two first striker to be a three, three, and you're okay throwing this card away. Um, and your opponent's probably and when not you say have throw it. it away. You mean trade it for a two, two, not actual throw it away. Exactly. And that's the thing. That's the key here is that if your, your opponent probably does not have a four toughness creature on the other side of the battlefield. So you are trading for something relevant and making a very powerful creature, hopefully, at the same time. Yeah. So, so I think that's the trick with Mentor, is it looks a little overcosted when you first look at it, but if you think of it in con- in the context of a deck that's actively trying to curve out, like, if they have to trade something for your 3-1, you've probably got a 3-3 now, and they're going to need to untap and deal with that as well. Exactly. This and Sky Knight Legionnaire are best buds. Oh, yeah. All right, you go this into Legionnaire... Um, this and the 4-2 Haste with Mentor, um, they're kind of best buds, um, but usually what you're doing is you're putting 2 plus 1 plus 1 counters on something else instead, and you're kind of trading your 4-2 and your 3-1 off, but um, there's a lot of really neat sequencing you can do with that, so be advised that it might be difficult to play Mentor if you're not used to aggressive decks. Agree. Okay. Uh Color the culprit. Is this main deckable? I think it, it may be for sealed. Yeah, you know it's it's funny. There's not a lot of four toughness creatures. I, I, I let's read the card. Smite the booty. Three and a three and a white for an instant destroy target creature with toughness four or greater. Maybe it seemed like it was main deckable for me because I was playing green so much and I had my opponents cast this on me and was frustrated. It is worth noting that there is a 2-2 that pumps toughness in this set by one in white. You can use this on your opponent's 3-3 and then smite its booty for six mana if you've absolutely got to. Please don't try to pull that off, but if you do, you get a bingo square. 
I think it is main deckable because it kills um, three, four flyers. Yeah. And it kills it kills siege worms. It the only thing it really doesn't like. It just doesn't. It kills it kills Slesnia stuff, right? Like it kills. There's a four four vigilance. It kills. Um, it just doesn't kill anything in Boros. It kills a rock if it like a, a one three flyer if it has a plus one plus one counter on it. So I think yeah. it's I think it's fine to main deck. I would be quick to side it out. Um, and I I think we'll see how the format plays out here. Yeah, I, I think if I'm low on removal, I'll probably main deck one of these and then take it out if I'm playing Boros because I think I'll have a target against everybody else. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, card I wanted to talk about here is Demotion, and I want to see what you think about this one. I so Demotion is a single white for an enchantment or enchant creature. Enchanted creature can't block, and its activated abilities can't be activated. The reason. I wanted to talk about this one is because I played it in my Boros deck and it was actually quite good in in my good Boros deck. Yeah, Ethan and I talked about this one and said, we think this is a very good Boros card, period. It's not a red-white card, but it's a red-white card. Exactly. It doesn't go in any other deck. The only thing that it act- that it actively deals with if you're playing Selesnia is a Guild Mage. Yeah. Like, that's it. It's just a Guild Mage killer in, in any other deck. Um, but in Boros, so I look at Mentor kind of like Renown. You remember Renown? I remember Renown. So Renown was when this creature dealt combat damage to a player for the first time. It got a plus one, plus one counter. Mm-hmm. And then basically it read, this creature can't be blocked because now it's huge. D- Mentor is kind of like that, I found. And demotioning something on turn four and smashing in with a bunch of things that have Mentor. And then playing um, a 3-1 Mentor is is just ridiculous right it, it it gives you the opportunity to double spell if you're being like if you're if you're curving out or you're playing a low curve um and it effectively neuters your opponent's best creature because you don't care if you're getting hit you're winning the race yeah. um and you're getting that one extra mentor swing through which i think is huge game um it played very well for me with the the goblin that had fire breathing because i could do this and spend a bunch of mana on fire breathing to get my extra mentor trigger agree yeah, I, I I believe this would be very good in Boros and virtually unplayable in the other decks. Agreed. Um, Conclave Tribunal is as good as advertised. Three and a white for an enchantment with Convoke. When it enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent until it leaves the battlefield. Does what it says on the 10, you should play it. Agreed. The Convoke is interesting too. Sequence your spells, right? If you're not in a threat of attacking, like play your creature and try to get an, an extra spell this turn out of it sometimes. Yeah, I've been able to do that a couple times already, and it was cool. Um, what else here? Flight of Equinauts, even though it looks expensive, I think it'll be very good. Um, as long as you have creatures on the board, it's a eight mana four five flying with Convoke. Yeah, what do you need to pay for a four five flyer to be pretty happy about it? Five mana. Yeah, and you can totally do that. That's you can not asking a lot that. at all. That's asking yeah. to have three creatures. Now they can't attack or block that turn. But a lot of the Selesnia creatures have Vigilance, and some of them won't, wouldn't have had good attacks anyway. Uh, so that, that kind of makes Selesnia weird at racing. Uh, I'm not quite ready to say that Convocus can broke, but it's it's pretty dang good. It is pretty good. Now, if you tap down your entire team to play this, are you blocking with this when your opponent swings back? De- I mean, it depends, right? I'm not a coward, so I can block Warriors. Uh, and I, I tend to just call everything and figure if they got a combat trick, I may as well get it out of their hand. Yeah. I agree. I'm going to be doing that, I think. If my opponent taps out for this thing, I'm going to like swing in with a bunch of, of stuff and just see if they block. Yeah. 
because I'm probably dead on the crackback anyway. So, so may as well try it. May as well try it. Um, Healer's Hawk. I'm gonna buy this. I think. Let's I let's go it. ahead and lump in Hasda Marshall, Healer's Hawk, and Haunt, Hunted Witness, and say that Healer's Hawk is the best of the three, but that the white one drops are playable if you're doing mentor stuff with Boros. Uh, agreed. Um, I think Hunted Witness and Marshall are probably a tier down below Hawk. Agreed. And I'm I'm not convinced that Celestia wants these. I I really don't think they do because like I, I've heard the argument. Well, Healer's Hawk is basically a Llanowar Elf in your Celestia deck. Eh, not really, right? Like it it is, but then that's all it is. But it's only a Llanowar Elf for I don't know six, eight of the cards in your deck. And other than that, it's a one-one flyer for one, and it's a miserable top deck. Whereas Boros is even going to be happy to see this late. Because you're going to have some mentor dudes to throw away. And by that, I mean trade with something. And putting the counter on this and making a 2-2 flyer out of it's a pretty big game. I think Hunted Witness is better in Selesnia as as your Lana War Elves. Because you can chump with it, then convoke, and then still have the token. It probably is, but the Selesnia decks I've built, and I've had some very good ones, didn't want that. Yeah. I think you need a, like a critical mass of convoke to, to want that. How does Inspiring Unicorn work with Mentor? This is two white-white for a 2-2. Two, two. When it attacks, creatures you control get plus one, plus one until end of turn. Well, I guess it doesn't creatures, interact at all. It doesn't because everything gets big by the same amount. Yeah. Right? It would be weird if, if, this, if everything else got plus one, plus one, and not this, because then there would be a scenario, but it doesn't work that way. So um, this card is good. It's, it's just great. Yeah, I think it's actually good in both of the white decks. Because Celestia is going to have some tokens laying around. Boros just wants to get in there. Uh, so both of them are pretty happy with this. Yeah, this is a high pick in either one. Um, very good in that aggressive Boros deck, though. I finished the game off with this multiple times. Uh, you sick of Intrusive Pack Beast yet? I love Intrusive Pack Beast. That's the five drop you want the most in your Boros deck? I think so. Especially because like, it's just anything that gets Mentor through right yeah mid game late game it doesn't matter uh this is four and a white for a three three vigilance when it enters the battlefield tap up to two target creatures your opponent's control i've lost to this coming down quite a few times um and i've won with it quite a few times so yeah it's good pretty happy uh, with that. speaking of cards we're selling i am selling all of my luxodon restorers Four white white for a three four with convoke uh enters the battlefield gain for life not good enough it isn't not for your six mana. Um, I mean, the convoke is is interesting, but like you're adding a three four to a board that's already jammed up. I think I like you just want siege worms in this spot instead. Yeah, yeah, I'm selling that. This is like bad filler. Yeah, I, I, playable if you have to, but not like there's so many better cards. I think the thing you have to remember about Loxodon Restorer <laughs> is you can play as many basic lands as you want. I think it's definitely ba- better than a basic land, but yeah. Uh, Luminous Bonds. Uh, this is a reprint. We've seen it before. Two and a white enchanted creature can't attack or block. This is good. You should play it. Yep. Um, Rock Charger. This is a Pegasus Courser. If you played uh, Dominaria, right? Yeah, at Uncommon, a- which is uh, I think a better spot for it. I agree. Two and a white for one three flying. Whenever it attacks, target attacking creature without flying gains flying until end of turn. It's Mentor. Mentor, the Freshmaker. Yeah, it, it's good in the Mentor deck. It's also good in the Selesnia deck. Because once you make your stupid 5-5, five five, you got to connect with it. And if you've got this going the whole time, well, let's make it happen. Yep. In Agreed. addition, so many of the Selesnia cards have Vigilance that it's not difficult to get in with this and a Knight token. 
and then convoke with the knight token and kind of get double value out of it. So I've been very happy with that. Yeah, this is gonna be a high pick for me in any of my white decks. For sure. Um you got another one? No, I think that takes me through white. Yeah, me too. It's um I've been very happy with white so far. Decent removal, creatures have been pretty good. Um, and then obviously all the Boros cards I'm a big fan of, so Yeah, and I like that most of the cards can play for either team, uh, which I think is a, a good thing. Okay. Um let's go into red, I think. So let's let's kind of keep the the guild color combination in sequence here sure so we have in red i want your take on this one i don't know if you have an opportunity to play with it but um it's barging sergeant so four and a red for four two haste with mentor um what do you think of this one i tried it and i really didn't get to cast it all that often so i'm not really sure what i think of it i played it in a deck i had the five two with mentor out on turn four and then curved into this so this was attacking as a five three and I think I put a counter on a 2-2 that was attacking as a 3-3. I won that game. Uh, I think this is actually pretty good. Like, most of us would probably play a 5-3 haste in an aggressive red deck and be pretty happy with it. And that's sort of what this is with some flexibility. Remember, you choose what attacks, you choose where the counter goes. Uh, so I, I don't think this is a high pick. I don't think this is a reason to be playing red or Boros or anything else. But I think once you're red and you have one of these and you don't have a lot going on in the five drop slot, this is pretty dang good. It does a lot of what the pack beast does, right? Like it's going to, they're blocking it. Newsflash, it's going to get blocked. It's going to trade with something relevant. If you've got a combat trick, that's even better because maybe you can keep it alive. There's plenty of plus two, plus twos going around. So they block it with a three, three. You're super happy and they're taking damage from the other thing. Like, I like it. Yeah, this and Sure Strike are best friends, I think. For sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to try it. I'm going to have to see. But you're right. Like, I think this just ends up as your curve topper. And if you've been aggressive enough and you have the Luminous Bonds all on the battlefield or Demotion on the battlefield, then this obviously goes up. Um, it's trading for a 2-2. Like, there's just no getting around it. But maybe the, there's a chance that that 2-2 is a Guild Mage or something like that. Well, the thing is, like, it trades for a 2-2 that they weren't, like, it, they have to have a 2-2 in play for that to happen, right? And in Boros, like that, the, they're either holding their stuff back to block, in in which case you've probably already lost if the board's gummed up. Whatever, you're, you're the aggro deck, you didn't make it. But they don't know that this is coming. So if they're trading this for a two two, that means they were holding it back to block a three two, not this guy. And now that three two is a four three, and all of a sudden they got to deal with that too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I'm just like between this and the five two, I'm not sure which one I would rather more, or if I want either of them. Like both in any in any kind of quantity maybe like i don't know i don't know if i, I do. want both you want I both i want both i, I tell you what curving one into the other was a freaking awesome dude yeah but i like i won a lot of games without those too like sure my five, sure. My five two never attacked because i won the game before it, it attacked and the and this guy i never got to play so that's that's where i'm at right like it's like it felt like it was really good when i could do it without these two cards and i'm wondering if they're necessary or not but it's gonna have to experiment and see i don't think they're necessary i don't think you you know have to have a specific five drop for that deck to work it doesn't matter what the fives are it matters how many twos do you have how many three power mentor dudes do you have this is just a nice addition to that deck yeah for sure um man red has some good removal so i'm just gonna like breeze through them here but you've got five damage to a creature at instant speed for five mana Called Command the Storm. Command the Storm. You've got six mana for six damage to any target. I misread this and thought it was just creatures. It's any target. 
at instant speed. That's the lava something, inescapable blaze. Um, you have direct current, which is a three mana shock with flashback. <laughs> One red red for two damage to any target at sorcery speed with jump start. Um, and then you have the four mana lava coil one in a red for a sorcery it deals four damage and if it would die exile it instead that, um that's that that's one in a red what did i say what did i say more than that i think oh did i okay i meant to say one in a red but yeah okay um basically red has the the gambit covered here on removal spells oh and it has a uh, one damage to everything creatures can't block this turn if you really need to deal with tokens and x ones um yeah, red red is insane on the removal front. I think it's also got maniacal rage. Uh, one in red enchanted creature gets plus two plus two and can't block. Like that's just nice and flexible in your Boros deck. Get a blocker out of the way and kill him, or put it on your mentor dude and make it bigger. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's, it's pretty sweet. Any of these you want to talk about in, in particular? Like I think direct current people thought was going to be bad, and I think it's I think it's going to be decent in the in the correct deck. It kills a lot of things. It kills guild mages. If you're playing spells matter, it makes your spells matter. Things do things. Um, and being able to flash it back at the cost of a land, I think, is very interesting, too. Yeah, I think... I mean, I had some people arguing me with me that it wasn't good, and I was like, have you read it? It's it's two damage, and then you get to do it again later once a land doesn't matter. Is it is interested in getting the spells going, and Boros is just interested in killing a 3-2 so you can keep attacking... Uh, so both of the red decks are just interested in the card. It looks good in both of them. Um, yeah. It's worth remembering that Command the Storm is an instant. Uh, and five damage basically kills everything. Like, it should for five mana, you're going to have to. But the the fact that you can kill anything and you can do it at instant speed in response to a combat trick or a double block uh, just makes it even better. Yep. Uh, I wouldn't load up on them. Like, you, you don't want a million five mana removal spells, but I want one of these in all my red decks. Agreed. Um, um, other cards that I was pretty tickled with, the Goblin Crater Maker was as good as advertised. Uh, one in red for a 2-2. You can sack it and then choose. It deals two damage to a creature. A destroy target colorless non-land permanent, which is functionally just artifacts in this set. Uh, but a, a two-drop that you could cash in for a removal spell was pretty good. Uh, and I also liked Hellkite Whelp a little more than I thought I would. Uh, now, I was playing Sealed... Uh, but flying was just pretty good. It's four and red for a three-three. When it attacks, deals one damage to target creature defending player controls. Like I was able to attack into three-four flyers. I in one case get them to trade with it, and I was just kind of happy with the flyer. Yeah, it. Um, there's a surprising number of X ones that this can kill too. Yeah, there's enough that it's relevant. Yeah, there's a bunch of two ones. There's a three-one and white. Yeah, it's. I'm. I'm pretty happy with that too. I would play one for sure if I had it. The last one that kind of jumped out to me is a little bit better than I initially thought it was going to be, and I thought it was going to be pretty good, was the Rubble Pelt Boar. Uh, three and a red for a 3-3 three, three when it enters a battlefield target creature gets plus 2, plus 0 oh until end of turn. Like, the body's serviceable as is, and giving that to a mentor creature is kind of a big game. Yeah. Uh, because now it can attack, it can pump up something that your opponent didn't necessarily see that it could, uh, and you're leaving behind a relevant body. So I've been pretty happy with that one too. Uh, yeah, agreed. And even just throw it on a flyer too, um, get that extra two points of damage in. I think can be big game too. So I'm pretty happy with that. That this is the card that I was playing over the five two, um, in in Boros colors. Yeah, and, and I was you very be. And, and I was very happy with it. So, and then we can't let Boros go without the Wojak bodyguard. This is just good, isn't it? 
in the Boros deck, it is very good. The the two and a red for a three three mentor, and it can't attack or block alone. Um, the the three power mentor, like I said, is that sweet spot, and it just makes it makes your two power mentor creatures much better. So, and any of your two drops much better. Cards just Not all good. of your two drops, but yeah, this this is best friends with um, pretty much everything in Boros. So, heaven help you if you ever make this a four four. Yeah, yeah, it's it's just a good card. All right, moving on to blue. Sure. All right, blue. I've had a lot of fun with blue so far. Me too. I like blue. I don't usually look at a set review and think that blue is going to be good, uh, but it, it's been good. Yep. Uh, first up has to be the Pokey Sphere Capture Sphere, three and a blue for an Enchant Aura with Flash. When it enters the battlefield, tap target creature. It doesn't untap. I mean, it it's perfect. <laughs> it's it's a uh, is blue removal spell. It's Flash. Uh, instant speed it does what blue does which is tap things um, the fact that you can hold this up plus a counter spell or plus an activated ability plus a card draw plus you know hypothesis like there's so much you can do with this one um, and it's so flexible like sometimes with water knot I felt like which is the equivalent of this for three mana at sorcery speed is I felt like I'd have to put it on a three drop right because I wasn't going to do anything else that turn and I really didn't want to like you know, waste my turn. So I'm going to, I'm going to tap down a three drop and then they're going to play something bigger the next turn. I'm going to feel real sad about it. Um, but being able to hold it up at instant speed and be able to do other things at the same time just makes this card so much better. Um, and even just like deciding what you're going to do. So like, I'm going to hold it up on my turn four and my opponent like attacks me with a three, three, I don't tap it down. I take the three damage and then I see what they do. And maybe I tap down their four drop or their five drop and then, and if not, maybe I just played on the three three anyway. I carry on with my turn the next time. So it's just so flexible being able to do this at instant speed, and it's splashable. So like, I feel pretty comfortable first picking this or luminous bonds because I can just put it in whatever with a couple guild guides. Agreed. Um, Chemistry's insight three and a blue for instant draw two cards with jumpstart. This is a stupid card. Have you had good success with this card? I haven't gotten to play with it yet. I didn't have it, and I was very sad, and my opponents seemed to have it quite a bit, and it was very good for them every time I saw it cast. Yeah, I think of this kind of like a, a mana sink. Like, I would certainly pay... Well, it's eight mana, discard a card, draw four? You're likely discarding a land at that point because it's late in the game when you are... So you're probably jump-starting it... Or, sorry, you're probably casting it on turn four or turn five, um, depending on what else you're doing, like if you're holding up counter spells or whatever. Um, and then you're probably jump-starting it on, like, turn 8 or turn 9. When you're empty anyway? Yeah, when you're empty. I don't think you're jump-starting it the same turn, unless it's late game and you have all the mana. Um, but I, I think at that point you're discarding a land. So I, I think it's basically 8 mana, draw two, draw 4 cards. You've also got, um, like, this is going to get better with more instants in your deck. I, I, I still don't think this is a card that's going to pull you into Izzet or Demir. I think it's a card that you put in your deck once you're in one of those colors, which, I mean, still makes it quite good in a role player, but not necessarily something I'm going nuts over. But the more things you can hold up to do at instant speed, the better something like this gets. Imagine your opponent playing around a counterspell that you have, and then you do this end of turn. They're not playing around the counterspell next turn, and you're going to get them. Exactly. Exactly. And if they don't, maybe you just draw two more cards. Who knows? Yeah, you, you could totally do that. Who knows? It's yeah, having this in the graveyard is very tough to play around because you're like, well, they could play playing this or they could be playing counter spells or some kind of instant speed removal. So yeah, it's just it's very good, especially on arena with the ability to like bluff those things. This is just an auto bluff for you. Yeah. Huh. Um 
City Watch Sphinx, I mean, we didn't have to talk about it. It's a great card. That's got to be good. Like, six Flying. mana, five, four flyer. Yeah, is is dumb. Um, let's talk Demir Informant. Two in a blue for a one, four when it enters the battlefield. Surveil, two. I am selling. You're selling? Yeah, I don't like I am, it. I am selling against Boros. I am buying against other decks. Uh, my Golgari deck didn't care about this because all of my Death Touchers were just attacking through it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, my Is It deck didn't care because I'm flying through in the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you like it against Boros? No, 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 because no. I'm getting triggers everywhere. And then how how good does this block a five five trample? You're not wrong. So if it it's does not block- good against any of the other decks, why do I want it? It does block a lot of things. Yeah, it does. But it, it, does. it doesn't threaten to kill any of them. That uh, is the problem. So it's it's a lot like a defender. Like I heard people calling this uh, informant of memes and saying that it's as good as memes. surveiller of memes. Sure, that, like they're calling it all sorts of stuff. And I'm like, that's not what this card does. Like sailor of memes was so good in Ixalan because it it ramped you and it let you splash. And this doesn't do any of these things. Like it's hard to argue with a horn turtle that scries too. Like I get that there's some serious value stapled to this card. But this is something that I would want in a deck that's building around Surveil more so than just like, hey, this card's good and has Surveil on it. You know, make it a 2-3, and I'm probably more interested in it. Yeah, agreed. That's why I don't like it against Boros. It just doesn't kill anything um, except the 3-1, and even then it probably doesn't kill the 3-1 often enough. Yeah. Um, The interesting thing here is... Um, it plays really well with uh, cards like Sever the Strands, if that's something you need to do for your removal suite, which you probably don't have to, yeah. um, but that is something you can do. And if you have like an undergrowth matters theme like in your Demir deck, which is probably not all that common, um, or maybe you're playing um, Sultai, so you're playing three colors, you know, this might go up in value in that case, but I'm with you. I think I'm selling on it. I don't think it's going to go down as far as that, but it's certainly not Surveiller of Memes. Yeah, agree. Okay. Long-time listeners of the podcast take note. I do not usually like Counterspells and Limited. I'm playing the Disdainful Strokes. Once I'm already blue, I'm just putting these in. Uh, it's one in a blue, instant, counter-target spell with converted mana cost four or greater. This was awful in Cons of Tarkir where it was originally printed because while every deck had tons of high-casting cost stuff, most of it was morphs and it could sneak in under this. Um, that's not what this format's about. There's just great four plus drops that everybody's casting in all of the colors and you're going to get something with it. Um, you're kind of priced into countering the first thing you can with it when you happen to have the mana up, but that's not bad. That means you could cast a three drop, counter a five drop, and then, you know, untap and cast your six or whatever. Uh, card's not amazing, but this is a counter spell I will play in limited. All of the AABB cards, this counters... Yeah, and, and they're all good. That's the key thing, and they're all good. Um, it catches most of the Convoke cards that you care about. Actually, all of the Convoke you cards you care about, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so it hoses Selesnya especially. And uh, Boros even has, like, you know, removal spells on four mana or um, creatures with haste or things like that that you can counter with this as well. So I think it does a pretty good job against a lot of things. There's also a lot of removal in other colors that's for mana or greater. Capture Sphere... Um, the black one, there's two black ones that have, uh, four and five ca- mana casting cost respectively. So it, it gets everything. Yeah. It kills the, it kills the stuff. All right. Guild summit. 
Are you playing this card? Two and a blue for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, tap any number of untapped gates you control. Draw a card for each gate tapped this way. Whenever a gate enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card. Obviously, we played sealed. You couldn't play this in sealed, likely. Well, you're going to have six or seven gates, right? Yes. So that's the only place I've seen it so far. I think if I'm in the gate deck, and there is a gate deck, and the payoffs are uncommon, and some of the other decks are interested in them anyway... But if I'm in the gate deck and it's working out, then I'm interested in this card. Otherwise, I don't want it. So I'm not picking this early. I'm not playing this in Demir. I, I, I kind of wish we did three-set drafting again. Because I, I loved how in Return to Ravnica, you drafted Return to Ravnica. Then you drafted Gate Crash, And then everybody got all mixed up together in Dragon's Maze. And I feel like this is one of those cards where I look at it and I'm like, I wonder what they're going to do with this in the next set. But we don't do that anymore. Uh, so I, I don't think this really has much of a home because even the gate deck would be okay just playing the inspiration with jumpstart, right? Like if you need cards, you you can be pretty happy with that. Yeah, I'm I I don't know. Um, somebody's gonna break this card, and somebody's gonna like no, obviously play like ten gates. Yeah, I think they are. I think somebody's gonna play ten gates in a deck, and this card's gonna be amazing. Um, it's gonna be the card where I'm never gonna first pick it. Because when I first pick it, it won't come together. And then when I pass it, the deck is going to be there, and I'm not going to see this on the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> That's always how it works, man. Yeah. Um, but, like, I think if you take those Gate Matters cards, um, there's the artifact or two, right? Um, where you're... What is it? You get plus one, plus one counter for every color you spend on it and things like that. And there's a few other Gates Matters-style cards. Um, I played that colorless. dude in a five-color deck. He was very good. He was very good. Um, you know, this is like a pack three pickup for me if I'm already in that deck, I think. Okay, I can get behind Most, that. Mostly because I'm just not interested in risking my draft on this card. Yeah, same. Okay. Uh, Murmuring Mystic, for those of you playing at your pre-release, is a three and a blue for a one five. It does not have flying. But whenever you cast an instant sorcery spell, you make a one one bird illusion creature token with flying. I thought it had flying. I yep no I've I've seen a couple of these I haven't seen any birds yet. I made a lot of birds. Okay, I think if you're in a spells matter deck, this is going to be great. I've had mm -hmm. people playing it that weren't in a spells matter deck, and it was just a one five for four, and it wasn't really very good. I think if you make two tokens off of it, it's pretty good. I think if you can make at least one token, it's all right. Yeah, uh, two. two I'm, I'm pretty I'm, happy. I'm pretty happy with two. Yeah. So play this in your Spells Matter deck. Don't play it in a typical limited deck with 15 creatures, though. I don't think it's getting the job done there. Agreed. Uh, I kind of dug Nightville Sprite. Uh, one in a yeah. blue for a 1-2 flyer when it attacks Surveil 1. Yeah, I kind of thought this would be good, and I think this is... If you're going to play one power flyer creature that's not in a Boros deck, I think this is the one you want. Um, the Surveil 1 that early, I think, is huge game. So... Not a lot of decks are going to have something to block it early. So if you play this on on turn two, you're probably going to get two to three surveil triggers quite easily, and you might even go the distance with it. Yeah, and like being able to like be stuck on lands, put a creature in the graveyard, or you know be a little bit flooded, ditch another land so you can get through it faster. Like it, it's everything I liked about cycling on a semi evasive body. I have already. Um, I played it in a blue green deck. I was blue-green splash-black for the Golgari cards, and I put a counter on it with that stupid little beetle. Like, there's ways in the format to make it a 2-3 flyer, and once you do that, you're just surveilling every turn. Yep. Agreed. 
selective snare. I want you. I haven't seen this cast. I didn't realize it was in the set until I was reading through it earlier today. What is your take on X blue for a sorcery? Return X target creatures of the creature type of your choice to their owner's hand. I mean, it's a sorcery speed bounce spell. Worst case scenario, it's two mana sorcery speed bounce something, which is significantly worse than being able to do that at instant speed because you can't get all the value out of double blocks and stuff like that. I, I think this is playable. I think it's really going to shine against a Selesnia deck where they're making tokens of one particular type. Although even the, those decks that I've played haven't been that reliant on the tokens. They've just had them. So the dream that this is selling is one day you're going to bounce two knights. And that's that's not actually a big enough dream for me to love the card. Like, th- there's bounce in the set that's better than this. I'd rather just play that. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that one. Um, like, there's you might be able to get a bunch of humans. Yeah. Right? Like, in, in a lot of different decks. but um, Or a bunch of knights in a Selesnya deck. Um, not just tokens, but actual knight creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like... I don't know. I'm. I just saw it, and I'm like, oh wow! I didn't realize this card was in the set, and I'm surprised that I hadn't actually seen it before then. So, yeah, reading through it, I didn't particularly dig it. Um, can we talk about Radical Idea for a minute? Sure. I don't think it's very good, and I think people think it is very good. I agree. I think it's. I think if you're in the very specific, is it spells matter deck? I think it goes up in value. I think in any other deck, it is not worth your time. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people just playing it in in random decks that didn't have any spell synergy, or at least not that I saw. And I'd have people in chat say, wow, that's pretty good. You can draw a card on turn two and then later cash a land in for a card. And I'm like, that's not very good. And they're like, but you like cycling cards. It's basically that. And I'm like, no, the, the the flexibility of the cycling card was I could cycle it on turn two, and if I top-decked it later, it did something. Whereas this one is, is kind of neither of those. I have to cycle it on turn two, and later it doesn't do anything. It's just kind of like a really bad divination. Um, yep. So, like, I, I, I would want to play this if I've got a lot of spells payoffs. Otherwise, I'm not particularly interested in it. It's secretly a, a blue-red split card. Agree, agree. Yeah, but like I would have loved to have these with my piston fist cyclops, and and things like the one three that gets plus one plus one or plus one plus zero when it gets uh, when you cast a spell and the wee dragonauts and things like that. Like it's very good in that because you're not losing any value when you cast it; it's replacing itself, right? Yeah. So that that's that's where I'm at on it. Okay, and tell me about Watcher in the Mist because I know that's next. <sighs> Cloud Raider Sphinx. What was rule number eight of Dominaria draft? Don't pass Cloud Raider Sphinx. Don't pass Watcher in the Mist. It's harder to cast, but I think that's fine in a world of gates. It it actually makes it a little bit better, which is going to sound really weird. So I splashed for Cloud Raider Sphinx a lot because it was just that good. You need to be blue to play this. So that means like the Golgari deck isn't going to take this from you and splash it. Because they're like making a commitment that they're going to be demure at that point and that they're not going to do that. So you'll probably even see more of these than you did the Cloud Raider Sphinxes. Uh, it's three blue blue for a three four flyer when it enters the battlefield surveil two. That's basically the same thing as the uh, Cloud Raider Sphinx, except there's also graveyard shenanigans in the set. Yeah, but if you have two of these as your curve topper in your demure deck, I think you are very happy with that. I would go so far as to say if you have two of these as your curve topper in your blue deck, you're very happy with that. Agreed. 
All right, blue. Oh, man, this set is great. I love blue. The removal is good. The one that you get. The counterspell is good. The one that you get. Pretty happy with that. Yeah, I'm tickled. On to black. I want to talk about Burglar Rat. One and a black for a 1-1. One, one. When it enters the battlefield, each opponent discards a card. Tell me about Burglar Rats. It was so good in my Golgari deck. <laughs> yeah, it they're pretty so... good. I had three of them. And so you're playing them on curve, usually. And then you're just chumping something and you're fueling your undergrowth for later, usually. Um, It's great. Like, there's enough X1s in the format that sometimes this will get lucky and not, like, you know, it'll block a 3-1 or it'll force your opponent not to be able to attack with their 3-1 or something. Um, You play it early and they have to make a decision between pitching a land or pitching a spell. Like, mid-game, you're usually getting their last card in their hand. Late game is the only time it sucked. Um, but even then, like, there's a couple of things that care about sacrificing. So there's the, uh, uh, there's a 3-3 three, three that gets a plus one, plus one counter when you sacrifice a creature at sorcery speed. Yeah. It's Menace. Like, this is perfect fodder for that. Um, and I have to have the, uh, the six drop in Golgari that makes a 1-1 one, one counter for everything in your graveyard. It's a rare. So obviously it was good in that deck as well. Um, it just, it just does a lot. I don't know if I would draft three of them unless i had things that cared about sacrificing things um but in my sealed pool it was a lot of fun yeah i was happy with uh i I think the most i had was two and i was happy with them and when my opponents played it it was a real decision and it played out like most of a real card like it would get involved in double blocks uh quite a bit so like it 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 did stuff you don't have to worry too much about the body because you've already got your value just by playing it agreed it plays very well with the um the fleshbag marauder variant yeah yeah it does right? you don't um, say yeah you don't say having one ones that you can sacrifice that you don't care about hey yeah but all, all of those things equal a very fun common card and i am going to curse a lot when my opponent plays this card it is definitely not dead weight um no speaking of which dead weight is black for an enchantment or an enchanted creature gets negative two negative two i love dead weight yeah, it's like the shock that keeps on giving, because you can shock a, an X2 if you need to, or maybe they've got a 4-5 that's standing in the way of progress, and you'd rather it be a 2-3. You could totally make that happen. Yep, it is. This this is just high-quality removal. I love it. I take this a highly. Not highly, but I'm very happy to have a couple of these in my deck. Yeah, and it, it can serve the purpose of a replacement 2-drop as well. Um, mm-hmm. If you end up with a deck that doesn't have enough 2s to like, trade those off but you somehow got three dead whites, go ahead. Kill the two drop. Yep. Uh, Deadly Visit is your sorcery speed black removal spell. Um, obviously, you're playing these three black black for a sorcery. Destroy target creature surveil too. Don't sleep on the surveil too. Yeah, it's a good card. Very good card, but just, you know, you're playing these, obviously. Hired Poisoner I thought was going to be good, and uh, I'm buying. This was actually yep. a little bit better than I thought. Uh, it's black for a 1-1 death touch. Golgari is already interested in trading things off. This makes sure everything trades off, and it was a relevant top game, even particularly late in the game. Uh, top deck, particularly late in the game. I was pretty happy with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying on it too. Um, I remember we, we we previewed our gruesome menagerie card, mm-hmm. and I said if there was a one mana death touch in this format that I am in, not necessarily on gruesome menagerie, but on the one one death touch because I yeah. love little death touchers. This is perfect. Yeah, solid card. Solid card. Um, what's the next one? Necrotic Wound. Let's talk about Necrotic Wound. 
did I have a bad experience with Necrotic Wound? Is it good, or is it average? What do you think? So this is black for an instant with undergrowth. Target creature gets minus X, minus X, or X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard, and it would if it would die, it gets exiled. I found that I had a hard time finding a good opportunity to cast this, meaning that either I didn't have enough things in my graveyard, or it just wasn't, like, they were playing things that I just couldn't kill because they were too big, even with things in my graveyard. I got wrecked by this card a bunch um, just because I wasn't playing around it or thinking about it. Like, think of this as a shock that you can't use in the early game, which takes a lot of the value away from shock, but because it's negative X, negative X, it's almost like an instant speed dead weight. And -hmm. you, let's say it's an instant speed dead weight that you can't play until turn five or later of the game. Now are we interested in the card? I mean, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, I just found that the hoops that I had to jump through... Maybe my opponents were soul reading me and that they weren't letting me jump through those hoops, right? Like they weren't letting me kill off my rats or they weren't, you know, attacking in my death touchers with with their two twos and two threes and stuff like that. Like, I, I just don't know. Um, now, sometimes you got to attack with that one one death touch and it seems it, weird, but like... You're not you, wrong. You got you to gotta trade some stuff off. I, I don't think Necrotic Wound... I think this is... We, we've mentioned this about a couple things. I, I think this is actually secretly good in both decks but i think it's a little bit better in demir where you can surveil away some of your creatures that you're not looking to cast um now if you can work in some black cards that do that in your golgari deck or trade you'll be fine but uh, it, like it, this is not early removal this is late combat trick slash removal uh mm-hmm. you can usually kill a guild mage for, with it and the fact that it exiles is surprisingly relevant i had an opponent exile something that i was planning on grave digging back and uh i didn't get to do that so I I, okay. I I think this card is medium plus, we'll call it. I think that's fair. I think I was higher on it before when I first saw it, and I think I have come down on it, but it's still good, I think. It's still decent removal. Yeah. Okay. Um, Playcrafter. I like this a lot. Two and a black mm-hmm. for a 3-2 when it enters the battlefield. Each player sacrifices a creature or a planeswalker. Each player who can't discards a card. So normally I'm not a huge fan of Edicts and Limited, but this one is basically saying, like, by itself, if this is all you've got, you play it and they sack their worst creature. You sack this. Okay, you did that. That can be quite powerful on turn three if they've just played a pretty good two drop. I've had Guild Mages eaten by this darn thing already. God forbid you curve Burglar Rat into this. And then, like... This is a, a, a variant of an older card called Fleshbag Marauder, and it always felt sad to have that when they didn't have any creatures in play. They're like, well, I don't really want to cast it. Well, here they just discard a card. So, like, you're going to get your value one way or another out of this, uh, and, and I, I have not gotten to play with it yet. I've had it played against me, and it's been good every time they've done it. I agree. Um, I wouldn't cast it on an empty board for my opponent unless I had something to sacrifice like the rat, though. Like, you're not sacrificing this get them to discard a card that is not something you're doing i don't know if your hands full of undergrowth cards like your mileage may vary but maybe you are maybe i don't know i just feel like at that point i would rather get a creature with it the best play that i saw with this is somebody cast it on me um they had my opponent had two creatures on board i had one so they got my like three drop or something like that sacrificed their two two and then they copied it sacrificed the copy, killed my thing that I just played, and then they copied it again because that copy spell has jumpstart. Yeah. That's pretty brutal, and you're dead. 
And I'm, I'm basically dead at that point because my best creatures are all gone. Well, my second best creature the last time because I saw it coming, but it's just kind of just kind of sucked. Price of Fame is three and a black for an instant destroy target creature. Surveil two, cost two less to cast if it targets a legendary creature. Uh, that's pretty good. You should play it. Yep. I would say bye, 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 but I already own all the stock. <laughs> cool. Um, Severed Strands, I know you hate Bone Splinter style spells. Still do. I think it's slightly better. It's in not. this format because of things like rats and things like uh undergrowth i don't think i'm picking this highly unless i somehow miss out on all of the other good black removal how would you how many of these would you like to buy from me because i will sell you as many as you'd like oh no no i'm i'm not buying any because of all the other black removal the thing is if you're drafting a black deck and this is the removal that you have at the end black wasn't open you shouldn't exactly. have been drafting black uh, but they don't print bad cards anymore. Instead, they print medium cards. So sometimes you have to play something like this. So it's it's not the end of the world if one of these ends up in your deck. But I actively don't want it to. Yeah, if it's like my if it's like my fourth removal spell, and I really want a fourth removal spell, I'm I'm probably playing it. Nah, I'll just be happy with three. All right, that's fair. Um, Spinal Centipede. I kind of like this card. It's okay. Green to black. Three and a black for a three two. When it dies, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. We liked we liked the thing that died and made a one one sapperling. This is not that. I think it's I think it's different. You're not wrong. Um, I think sometimes it's better and sometimes it's worse. I think it's usually worse. Uh, it's a functional reprint of a card from the Kaladesh block. I don't remember what it was called, um, but I remember playing with the card a lot that was in black. You can kind of play around this if your opponent has it and try to deny them that counter, whereas you were always going to get your Sapperling token, and there were other cards that occasionally cared about you having Sapperlings in play. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think it's a little bit worse than the Deathbloom Thalid. That still doesn't make it bad, but I've cut this from more decks that I've played it in. Uh, but if, if you need something to play on three, you could do worse. I think the reason I like it is because the power and toughness seems kind of low-er in this format than what we're used to. Like I said, like a four damage spell kind of kills most things. Mm-hmm. So getting a creature up to four power or potentially five power in your Golgari deck um, is, is kind of big game. So like the fact that this can get those creatures out of range, I think is really cool. Well, it's, it's weird because it almost works against the synergy of the Golgari deck because what you want to be doing there is trading off your creatures. And when your opponent sees this, they don't want to trade off with this. They want to trade off with the other thing that you have. So if you attack with both, they block the other thing. And I, I mean, I guess you're, you sort of did it, but I, I don't know. I just I, This is something I can play in a black deck, but I ain't going crazy about it. At that point, it's a three damage or three power unblockable. Sure, but I don't know that I'd play <laughs> that either. Yeah. All right. We'll just pretend like you didn't say that. We can talk about Torment of Scarabs again. My God, that 72% win rate in Ammon Cat. Um, you, don't, you don't like three power unblockables? I... I don't like I would play a three power unblockable as long as it can still block. Yeah, which this can. Yeah. But but it's not it's not that. Like you're constructing all of these hoops to jump through to make a mediocre common like playable. Sure, it's playable. I, I think it's decent. I think it's alright. Alright. Yeah, I, th- I think we're displaying errors at that point. I've been happy with it though. Okay. Alright. Undercity Necrocolisk is a card that I was actually very happy with in my Golgari deck. Yeah, this one's good. 
Three and a black for a 3-3 three, three, uh, with the activated ability. One and sacrifice another creature. Put a plus one, plus one counter on it. It gets menace. And only do it at sorcery speed. This is your, like, your rats just get fed to this thing. Yeah, and you can end up with other cards um, that, that you want to feed to it. Uh, we've already seen two of the colors playing enchantment-based removal at common. Uh, so it's not horrible to top deck this. And it's on the body of a hill giant. Like, it's it's kind of hard to argue with this thing. I'm, again, not slamming this one super early, but I'm happy to have this on my Golgari deck. I don't think Demir's super interested in it, um, but it's probably still playable there in some cases. Yep. All right, should we wrap it up with green? Uh, green, and we do need to talk about artifacts because uh, we got them hot lockets. Yeah, you're right. We're, we're, you're going to get on a soapbox and talk talk about lockets. I, you never know what the future might hold. I I can see the future here. All right, tell me about killing them with kindness. <laughs> I love affectionate Ender. This is like the cutest card in the set, I think. It's a five and a green for a four four, and when it comes into the battlefield, it hugs target creature opponent controls. Yeah, it's kind of a nug hug. I love that there's like cats circling <laughs> around it. Um, I've gotten to play with this. It feels like it wouldn't have been too busted if it was five mana instead of six. Um, at six, it feels exceptionally balanced. But as you've mentioned, most of the things in this set are four fours or smaller. Uh, so you're, you're going to kill something that's relevant with this. Yep. This also is, splashable. This is green's best removal spell, probably. Yeah, it may actually be. Which is kind of sad, but that is what we get these days, it seems. Um, green removal spells, crushing canopy. Are you main decking this one? Yep. Yep, me too. Because green doesn't have many ways to deal with flyers otherwise. Yeah, that's two in a green. Instant, choose one. Tar- destroy target creature with flying. Destroy target enchantment. I've main decked this in every format where it was uh, legal and limited. I've never been unhappy about it. There's not a lot of enchantments to kill with this, but there's a lot of flyers to kill with this. Uh, agree to disagree. Um, there's the pacifism effect and the pokeball effect, as mm-hmm. well as the O-ring effect. And then there's a few other enchantments that people are playing. So not a lot. We're not talking like Hour of Devastation, but it'll come up. Yeah, I meant comparatively speaking to format. It was in formats it was in previously, I think. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Um, District Guide. I think, you know, we would do it a disservice to not talk about it, but everybody knows it's good. This is your Skittering Surveyor of the format in green. Tuna green for a 2-2 when it enters the battlefield. Search your library for a basic land or gate and put it into your hand yeah card's good uh this enables the five color decks the five color deck i played was on the back of the sky and a couple of gates uh i literally was splashing everything and this was the the rug that held the room together um go ahead oh no you can say something about district guide if you want to no 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 i'm good i'm going to the next one i i think it's worth mentioning devkarin dissident Mm -hmm. uh this card was a little bit better than i thought it would be uh, one and a green for a 2-2. Two, two. You can spend five. It gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. This is not a Dark Thicket Wolf. Like, Dark Thicket Wolf was this effect for three mana, which was kind of a big deal because you could kind of threaten to hit your opponent with it. But just having a place to dump the mana and a body to convoke off of, a body to trade off, a body to put a mentor counter on, like, it, it did enough that it was an acceptable two drop. Yeah. Again, it's that four power, right? This This is a relevant threat. In the in the late game, if you have nothing else to do with your mana, yeah, you're never you're never double, cat like double activating it, or very rarely you're double activating. I did it, that so today, David. Very rarely are you doing that. Okay. Never is a hyperbole. 
Um, but like as a four four, it'll eat a lot of things or or um, trade with a lot of things. Yeah. Are you buying or selling generous stray? Generous stray. Two and um, a green for a one two when it enters the battlefield. Draw a card. I'm gonna hold. I'm gonna hold. Okay. I think Celestia is more interested in it than Golgari, although Golgari will play it. I also think there's enough X1s that you can usually get some value out of it and get it into a, a double block. It reminds me a lot of the Burglar Rats. You just can't really play it early, and it doesn't super affect the board on turn three. So, like, it's okay. Okay. That's that's fair. I think I'm buying it because I think it goes very well in the... I think it's a Golgari... Better in Golgari, I would say. Um, because you're trading it off and fueling that undergrowth, and I think that's what I was missing in my Golgari deck. If it was a 2-1, heck yeah, man. Yeah, I, I agree if it was a 2-1. As a 1-2, meh. Um, how about Iron Shell Beetle? I'm curious your take on this one. This guy's not one, too bad. 1 and a green for a 1-1 one, one when it comes into play. Put a plus 1, plus 1 on target creature. Like, this this is played well in all of the scenarios where I've had it, such as playing it out on turn 2 so that I can attack with it or block it, or giving that counter something else. Usually haste by giving something an attack that it didn't have before, so the counter sort of gets haste. But I put the counter on flyers, I put it on first strikers, I put it on a mentor creature. Like, you you can do a lot of things with that little counter. Um, again, not a super high pick, but if you need two drops in green, go for it. I, I found more often now, again, I'm playing sealed, and I've had pretty good green sealed pools. I found that finding two drops for your green decks isn't really a problem, and all of them are somewhat interchangeable because they're mainly just there because Boros decks exist. Because uh, this isn't what you're looking to do with green. You kind of just want to, you know, have A2. It doesn't matter what it is and then start convoking out your big stuff. Uh, but I think this is probably one of the better twos you can get. I I think you're absolutely right. I love that this is a common. Um, probably pick up a couple of these, I would think, in most drafts. So mm-hmm. I think that's this good spot. Um, I would love to put this on the the 1-3 flying, the the rock. Oh, heck yeah. Just give it that extra point of power and toughness to make it more of a threat and harder to kill. I think it would be huge. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before Prey Upon? Uh, yeah, I, a couple actually. Uh, just because okay. I've been playing a lot of green. Uh, you need to put one Hitchclaw Recluse in your deck. You probably want another one for your sideboard. It's two and a green for a 1-4 reach. Uh, this is not a card I initially liked very much in the set review, but you are weak to flyers. This is kind of classically green's problem. And neither of the green decks are particularly aggressive here, right? Like if Gruul was one of the color pairs, then maybe I wouldn't want this, but it's not. Uh, so you, like, you're going to need it to block. You're going to need it to trade off, slow down the game so you can play your stuff. In a similar, similar vein, Crowl Harpooner is pretty darn good. It's one and a green for a 3-2 with reach. It has undergrowth. It gets plus X, plus O until end of turn. And whether or not it has the plus X plus O, you can have it fight target creature with flying. Now, that means it's probably going to die, but that means this is basically a 3-2 on turn 2 with reach or a plummet at sorcery speed. And both of those help you kind of fight that that classic risk. Um, both of the combat tricks are good. Might of the Masses, instant plus 1 plus 1 until end of turn for each creature you control. It's obviously a little better in Celestia, but uh, Golgari can work it too. And don't forget that Pax Favor is out there as you're going to play in your pre-release. Uh, it's two and a green for plus three, plus three with Convoke, meaning that your opponent can have all of their lands tapped and still have this up with their creatures. Um, I've already gotten somebody with that so far. Achievement unlocked. I can't wait to do that at the pre-release. I'm going to get somebody with it. 
I've also played Portcullis Vine a lot more than I thought I would because I thought I would never play it. Um, but it turns out it's just been okay. Uh, it's green for an 0-3 defender, sack it. It's been two, sacrifice a creature with defender, draw a card. It's not exactly blowing my mind, but this was a big part of the Golgari decks I had and just getting that first thing in there for undergrowth while preventing three points of damage. There were other times where somebody played a 2-2 and I just left it there for a little while and was pretty happy with it. Uh, so I, I don't think this is an amazing card by any stretch, but I think if you're in Golgari, you probably are interested in one because you've probably got a couple Convoke cards and you do want to churn through and get that stuff in the graveyard. Prey Upon. Are you buying or selling Prey Upon? I'm holding. I called this one and I was right. Um, it's not... Like, we've seen uh, fight spells go from good initially when we first saw them in Innistrad to kind of actually bad when we've seen them recently in Ixalan to good again, but it wasn't a fight spell. It was a punch spell when we had Rabid Bite. Uh, Prey Upon is back, and it's pretty good. It's not amazing. It's not busted, but your green deck is playing them. Green does get bigger. Both versions of green are getting bigger than your opponent's stuff, and you will be able to kill something with this. It's just kind of a six-mana removal spell that untaps five lands when you cast it. As long as you're thinking of it that way, you're probably in pretty good shape. Yeah, it didn't seem like green got as big as in sets past, right? Like when, you're, when your 5-5 five, five trample is your biggest thing most of the time. The thing is, is that that's the same rules for all your other opponents as well. All the other players that are playing the same game as you. So like, you know, your 4-4 four, four should kill a relevant 3-3 three, three or a guild mage or something like that on the other side of the battlefield. Um, so I was, I was going to sell it, but I think I'm in the same boat as you where I'm going to hold it. I think you've convinced me to not, uh, not rush to my broker tomorrow and sell these cards. Yeah. Hang on to that one. You gonna want it. All right. Um, everything else kind of from here on out are just, they're, they're just good creatures, right? Siege worm, five, five convoke with trample for seven mana. Um, Vigor Spore Worm is better than you think it is. Uh, five and a green for a six, four, Undergrowth, uh, target creature gets plus X, plus X, and Vigilance, and it cannot be blocked by more than one creature. That's not what the creature gets. That's just text that the worm has. Um, I've already done this for plus 8, plus 8 on a 1-1. One, one. Um, th this is a big deal by the time you get to 6 mana. Like, I'd pay 6 mana for a 6-4 can't be blocked by more than one creature most of the time. So mm -hmm. I've also cast this as exactly that. Where it didn't have anything, but the the vigilance that you get from it is a super surprise to your opponent. This two two that's been sitting there and not doing anything for a while is all of a sudden hitting them for a relevant chunk of damage and still able to block uh, while you've you've developed this huge threat. So this card's pretty good. I played three of them in one Golgari deck and was thrilled with them. Hmm. I was sleeping on it, but yeah, no, that um, yeah, when you put it all together. Get in, get in. You that, want some of these? I, I'm, I'm in. Okay, I'm buying. I'm buying. You got me. Okay, cool. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's about it for me. Everything else is kind of vanilla here. Um, your four three for for four is actually pretty decent because of the four power. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. Now let me walk you through a couple artifacts, and then uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to mention two that I like, and I want David to get my soapbox ready for me. Would you mind being on soapbox duty? I'm I'm prepping it right now. Okay, so first up, an artifact I do like is Rampaging Monument. This is four for a zero zero trample. It enters the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters on it. When you cast a multicolored spell, put a plus one plus one counter on it. 
If you can get one counter on this thing, it's kind of the biggest thing in the format. Not literally, but kind of doing pretty good. You're going to have multicolored spells, and the downside is you have a hill giant. Uh, this, this card's just fine. It's been pretty good in Sealed, where I was playing three and four and five color decks anyway. Uh, I imagine it would be okay in a two color deck, too. You're going to have like seven, eight multicolor spells in your regular deck anyway, I think. Yeah, for sure. The hybrid ones count, too, by the way. So, like, mm-hmm. that works, too. Gatekeeper Gurgle is six mana for a 3-3 flyer. It enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each gate you control. I don't think this is going to be a role player in Sealed. I do think this is a bit of a payoff for the gate deck. If I can spend six mana and get a 4-4 or 5-5 flyer, I'm pretty tickled about that. Uh, And I don't think anybody else wants it. So this should be one that you can have circled the table and come back. I do need to be playing a good bit of gates in my deck for me to want it. Uh, which is means that this could come down as late as turn seven or eight, but if it's big enough, who cares? I think the card will be fine. Um, I think anybody playing three colors is going to take this higher than than you think. How many gates do you need to play this? If you're happy playing it as a four four colorless flyer, I think you just need like four gates to to have that chance, um, like a reasonable chance to do that. Yeah, but I think your deck that's playing four gates is probably interested in something else. I mean, maybe? I don't know. I think you I think you could take this early um and just end up playing like a wedge or a shard. Yeah, you're you're not wrong. It it'll be fine. I think it'll truly shine in the gate deck. For sure, but I I just don't think like the five color date gate deck is gonna see these often enough, right? Like if like if, if I'm in pack three and I open this and I have like three gates in my in my pool and there's nothing else that like really like removal or something like that i'm gonna take this because it's like a six mana four four flyer that i can cast with anything yeah maybe you're right about that which means the card's even better than i thought it was so i agree i just don't i just don't think it's going to be limited just to the five colors and that's like obviously the same with the rampaging monument right yeah fair enough all right so let's talk about hot lockets so in the past, in the original Ravnica, we had Signets. These were two mana for an artifact. You could spend one mana and then get two mana of your guild's colors. That's what we would call a two mana rock. Those were really good. They ramped you significantly. And if you had enough of them, you could cut lands from your deck and play them because it was relatively easy to just cast them on two and make that as your third land drop. Uh, so Signets we liked a lot. They were also pretty helpful for splashing. In Return to Ravnica, we saw the advent of Clue Stones, which were three mana rocks. By that, we mean a three mana artifact that you could tap for mana. It costs three colorless. It tapped for either color. And then you could spend, uh, I think, both colors and tap it and sack it to draw a card. So the idea was you would use this for fixing a ramp. And then after you'd done that, you would then cash, in, cash it in for a card. And those were universally bad. Uh, they were not good in either any of the individual sets, and they weren't even good in the five-color set. So the, the comparison was ramping from two to four, kind of a big deal. Ramping from three to five, kind of not a big deal. And replacing it by like being able to draw one card and cash it in later wasn't particularly good. It just wasn't good enough to make them actually worth playing. That brings us to Guilds of Ravnica, where we have Lockets. I'll use the Golgari Locket as an example, but they all do the same thing. It's three mana for an artifact that you can tap, and it adds either color for your guild. So for the Golgari one, we could get black or green. And then you can spend hybrid mana, four of them. 
So Golgari, 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 tap and sack and draw two cards. So basically what they've done is they've added an extra two to the cost of sacrificing clue stones and they're giving you an extra card for it. So a lot of people will look at this and think, okay, this will ramp me and fix me and then I can cash it in later and get the card. But what's actually happened is that these lockets are just bad. I had on stream people bring up literally every circumstance under which they thought a locket would be good, and it's not. So I'm going to walk you through some of those. The first one is, well, I'm just playing these colors. Okay, if you're just playing these colors, you're ramping from three to five. This set is not jammed with fives and sixes. Most decks aren't that interested in ramping. They're interested in hitting their land drop, sure, but they're not dying to ramp. So you're really not getting any value out of the ramp. Like, getting a turn ahead means you're taking a turn off. Boros is happy for you to do that. Many of the other decks will make that a real cost. The fact that you can spend four mana and sacrifice it to draw two cards just isn't worth it because you've built your own seven mana divination. Like, I suspect divination would be playable in this format. I don't know that for sure. Uh, We've certainly seen formats where it wasn't. It's never been good for seven mana. Um, we saw Inspiration, a variant thereof, in the previous Return to Ravnica block, and it wasn't good, it was just too expensive. Now, people have said, well, what if you're splashing a card? And I said, well, it'll be hard to crack. And they said, well, not really. What if I'm a Selesny attack splashing a Golgari card, and I can use my Golgari locket, and it's okay because I can cash it in for just green mana? Well, now all of a sudden you have the tension of you've got the locket in play, but you haven't drawn the card that you're splashing with it. Do you sack it and then draw that card and now you can't cast it? Like, it's just not helping you there either. And what I found as I played through all of these sealed events was without fail, when my opponents played a locket, I won that game. You, You cannot afford to take turn three off and do nothing that affects the board. You've got to follow it up with an absurdly powerful five drop. And there's just not anything in this format that's that good that's worth doing this for. So the best place for lockets is ripped in half and in the garbage can. You do not want these in your deck. I I think if I play 200 games, I will find one deck where I'm like, you know what, a locket actually goes in here. But for most of you who are, are listening to this and playing this and not playing, you know, 50 rounds of limited every two days you're probably better off not playing these. I I actually think it's somewhat similar to uh, Navigator's Compass and that every once in a while, I was like, you know what? We're base blue. We've got a lot of card draw. I've got a Tatiova. I've also got a Slimefoot. I want to play all of this stuff. Let's do it. And all of a sudden, I'm interested in two Navigator's Compasses because like most of what you accomplish with this, you could just accomplish with the land. So I'm sorry to climb up on a huge soapbox so early, Uh, But I really don't like these. And then last little soapboxy piece for me. This is what Dave and I think about the format so far with two days of playing with it. We don't know everything. We're probably wrong about some cards. We're probably right about some cards. And there's probably a pro somewhere that disagrees with us. And your, your buddies, you know, Timmy may disagree with us too. And that's okay. Don't only take our perspective on these cards or only take anyone else's perspective on these cards. Use what we're telling you, use what you think, and use what you hear from other people to form your opinion of the format. Your play style is going to impact which of these you like more so than anything else. Uh, particularly if you if you 
open a Golgari pool and do well with it, you're probably going to like Golgari a little bit more than the other colors. Uh, I can tell Dave's on a little bit of a Boros kick, and that's not a bad thing. We need aggro players in the world, uh, but he's apparently done quite well with it, enjoyed the strategy, and it would surprise me if you don't favor that a little bit as you go into drafting, just because you're excited about it and have had fun with it. So, like, bear all that in mind. If you listen to somebody who's a Dirtle Master or somebody who's an Aggro Master, they're going to have very different opinions about a format early on. And none of us know what we're talking about yet. We're making educated guesses based on the experience we have. Your mileage is going to vary. I, I got to, like, get the fire extinguisher for the soapbox. Yeah, I kind of burn it out. We may not see it for a little bit longer. But, I mean, hot lockets, man. It yeah. needed to be said. The only one thing I wanted to add in there is the only things that are five, six, seven drop style in this format that you want to ramp out have Convoke. Which means literally every creature you have is a locket. Basically, yeah. right? Like most of the other ones, they care about undergrowth, which you're not, you don't want to ramp out because you want to try to get that undergrowth value or you, or you don't care if you ramp them out, if you cast them on curve, like by hitting your land drops. Like there's just, Yeah. When you, when you put it like they are a worse clue stone, I had flashbacks to opening a million clue stones in Dragon's Maze draft and just not interested. Yeah, they were terrible. And that was a that was a, a five-color set. All of the guilds were in that set. Like, nearly every deck you played was four or five colors in that set, and they didn't want them. So, like, there's just already better fixing here with the gates. Or just play two colors. Yep, agreed. It, it, if we didn't have a gate in every pack, maybe it's different. It's not. You'd just play two-color decks more often. That's the thing, right? That's the that's the rub right there. So, Yep. All right. This has been Travis's Soapbox. We need, like, a theme song for you. I'll get to work on that. All right. I think that's going to wrap it up, unless you want to talk about anything else. I think that's got us for now. We went a little bit over, but I think it's worth it for when we have a new set drop. I agreed. We did go a little bit over, but you had to get on your soapbox. Yeah. I'm excited to talk about all the arena changes next week, though. So let's plan on a long one next week, too. Big episode next week. Talk about open beta and uh, all the cool stuff that is going on in arena. It's a very exciting time. In the meantime, where can they catch you drafting or playing sealed, I guess, in arena? Guilds of Ravnica. I'm going to be doing it all at twitch.tv slash simulin. Come on by and say hi. I am at twitch.tv slash dcivillian, that's D-S-A-V-I-L-L-I-A-N, and you can catch us at Twitter on the same, or at the same, on both, for both of us, and you can also catch us on Twitter at uh, men moto So once again, thanks to Face to Face Games for the host. We'll catch you next time. Adios.